many, how many remember how many points there were to the sermon last week? 5.7. So this Sunday, today, I'm going to have another 5.7. Last Sunday at the tea break time, a guy came up to me and said, uh, uh, good message. Uh, yeah, it's about what? See, stop. Then he got stuck halfway. But I appreciated the fact that he tried to memorize. Uh, but really, it's not about memorizing. It's about internalizing. Okay, so long as he got the message about the preciousness of a soul and about sharing the good news, I think I'm happy and I believe God the Father is very happy. So, no need to memorize. Today, another five-point sermon. And these five points, Living Sanctuary Brethren Church, which... Uh, does a CP seminar every year, calls it the chariot principle. About positioning before preaching, that we need to earn the right to speak before we speak or before we preach the good news. We need to get into a place of friendship socially and even physically, that is, to get into the home of someone in the community so that we are able to build friendships so that we position ourselves to share the good news, whether it is a home or a shop or an office of a colleague. And the example is taken from Philip in Acts chapter 8, that Philip took a series of steps that led to the salvation of one man, the Ethiopian eunuch. And so let's read. Acts chapter 8, starting from verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in a chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road where they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came out, up out of the water, 
the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. First point is about getting up. From verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up, get up, and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. And they added, this is a desert road. God said to Philip, get up. Philip got up. The first step about getting into position to share the gospel is a volitional step. It is about, are you willing? Are you willing to obey? And are you willing to put yourself in God's agenda? It's to do with our will. Are we willing to start this process of drawing close to a pre-believer? And are we willing to move to where God is leading us? The second step is get out. God said to Philip, get out to the south, away from Samaria where you are now, to a desert road. And Philip obeyed. Only a general direction was given. Go south, go to this road that descends from Jerusalem into Gaza. And then God emphasized, this is a Ulu place. See, this is a desert place. And Philip, are you still willing to go? Are you willing to get out? Would it have been much easier for, for Philip and perhaps more fun for him to continue to do Bible studies in, in Samaria or, or seminars on evangelism, to look into the needs of the new converts in Samaria and not to look out, to get out. Now, God was obviously working in Samaria. If you read the previous verses um, in, in Acts chapter 8, in fact, a revival was going on in Samaria and God said, get out. Now, I have a problem with this idea that it seems to be going around Churches, you know the phrase where you say, you've got to see where God is working and then you join Him in His work? Come across that? No? Well, it, it comes from a book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God and it's very, very popular. But I was thinking if, if I have to see that God is really already working in His place and join Him, then, then there will be no pioneering work at all. So it cannot be. So I went to check the book again. And actually, it says this. It has been misinterpreted. What it says, and I quote, God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. God invites you to do a work. It doesn't say that God is already doing a work and then you just join Him. Sometimes, you have to do a pioneering work and God doesn't tell you everything. He just told Philip, go south to this road that is quite far from Jerusalem all the way down to Gaza. In fact, it's a very Ulu place. It's a desert road. God puts us in a crisis of faith. Do we obey? Do we think we heard correctly from God? Or have we not? And do we obey and just go? To believe, not to believe. To obey or not to obey. That's a crisis of faith. God more than invites us. In fact, He commands us. Right? It's a great commission in Matthew 28 to make disciples. It is a command in Acts 1, chapter 8, to be my witnesses. Last Saturday, 192 
from PPH when capping. And for those of you who are not familiar with our jargon, capping, C-A-P, means community adoption and pastoring. So PPH members, we go to Teban Gardens and every cell group adopts one or half a block or one third of a block. And then four times a year, we go knocking on doors to, to bless the residents, to make friends, to get ourselves into a position where we can share the good news. Then I realized that 192 means there are probably another 100 or nearly 200 who are not involved. And we have not gotten out of our comfortable homes in the sun, or at least in the heat, to knock on someone's doors and to try and make friends. In fact, I found out that there were some leaders who were not involved at all for the longest time. And I began to think to myself that we cannot be leaders when 192 means about half the church. If half the church is out there in the front line, you as a leader, you might have something very worthwhile to do, very good, but you cannot because half the troops are out there in the front. We cannot be sitting at home and watching naked ladies bathe on rooftops. If you know the story of Bathsheba, right? The army was out there and David was at home. So we cannot even though you have good things to do, but we need to be together with, with our troops. One reason I often hear is, oh, I'm not in a CG, therefore I'm not involved. So, we are going to start a non-CG capping group. Okay? So you are involved. Another reason I hear, oh, my CG is so small, we can't really do... Okay, if your CG has only two persons, we will give you, what, four units? Eight units? Right? You just go knock on on one person, just knock on four doors. Okay, so there's really no reason not to get involved together as a church. And God says, get up and get out. So please, let's all come together and get out into the community. The third point is get near. How near? Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. How near? Quite near. Near enough to hear the Ethiopian eunuch read from Isaiah chapter 53, above the din of the neighing horses in his chariot and the clacking wheels of his chariot, above the noise of ambient, uh, the sound of ambient noise. And for Philip, it means getting near to a foreigner, an African, different race, different skin color. And not only that, a eunuch. There are two factors that Philip had to overcome with the love and grace of God when dealing with the Ethiopian eunuch. First, he was a dark-skinned foreigner and, and there would have been a racial prejudice even in those days. And, and it survives still today, that, that racial prejudice. Um, today, we say there are three kinds of Jews that have returned to Israel from all over the world. The first kind would be what is called the Ashkenazi Jews from Eastern Europe, from Europe. So they are usually fairer skin from Northern Europe. And then there are the Shephardic Jews, primarily from Spain. So they returned to Israel around about 1940s up to 1948 and so. And then there's a third group, the Ethiopian Jews. They are dark skin. 
1991, there was a massive military operation because the Ethiopian Jews were being persecuted in Ethiopia. And there was a military operation called Operation Solomon to bring 14,000 Jews from Ethiopia back to Israel in 36 hours. Amazing operation. Another one was great feats of the Israeli uh, uh, military. But the Jews, the other Jews never really quite accepted this dark-skinned uh, Ethiopian Jews. In fact, uh, some cemeteries of Ashkenaz either, the European Jews do not allow Ethiopian Jews to be buried there. It's crazy. And then in 1996, there was this big hoo-ha that exposed the racial prejudice even among the Jews, where they discovered that when an Ethiopian Jew donates blood, they accepted his blood, but they threw it away. It was, it was crazy. And that's now, 2,000 years ago in the days of Philip, I think he would have to overcome that barrier to get near to the Ethiopian eunuch. The other factor against Philip in dealing with the Ethiopian was that uh, he was a eunuch. And I believe all around the world, especially in those culture at that time, they are a despised uh, uh, segment of humanity. And the Chinese have a terrible name for eunuch. We call them renyao, you know, freaks. We call them freaks. But Philip got near enough to listen. And we must get near enough to hear the heart's cry of a person. Near enough to be able to discern and hear his inner needs. Well, the person may share his deepest needs with you at a Starbucks restaurant, drinking expensive coffee, or he may go to some kopitiam and drink 90 cents coffee with you. But I think where it really would happen best for him would very well be in his own home. If you are able to sit in his own home and listen to him, that's where you can hear his needs. So we need to get near enough to a person to hear his needs. And that's a key part of the strategy of capping. It's not about distributing some gifts to promote the name of PPH. It is about getting through that door to get invited in to be able to hear and to, to, to talk heart to heart, to get to know the person, get his need, uh, know his needs. LSBC called this near enough to touch, N-E-T, call it NETS. So for them, activities like our Friday breakfast is a net activity. It's an activity so that we can get near enough to touch. Or, or, or Thursday karaoke, or our Monday halal lunch, or even our student care centre, when the parents deposit the kids there, or when the parents bring them home. This is, it's an opportunity for us to get near, near enough to touch. So get up, get out, get near, get in. Acts chapter 8, verse 31. And the eunuch said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He invited Philip into his chariot. And our objective is to get invited into the home. To be invited by someone to say, come in, come up and sit with me. To enter into meaningful conversations in order to preach the good news. 
So get in also means for us to, to get people in to some of our PPH activities. Um, Easter service, a Christmas service, any service, or uh, our cell groups, to get them in. Another get in is not so much their home, but our home. Let others get in to our home. Invite them to be hospitable so that we can get close enough to talk about spiritual matters. And I believe last Easter was very meaningful where, where we say, hey, Easter service is not evangelistic. Don't invite your friends to church for Easter. You just come. We will train you. We will motivate you. And then after the Easter service, you go out, invite people into your home and have an Easter lunch or an Easter dinner. Or if you cannot do it at home, invite people to a restaurant and you can have an Easter lunch or dinner and an Easter conversation. So I did that. And, and it was just great, you know. When you find no opportunity to be able to steer the discussion into spiritual matters on Easter Sunday, you surely can. And today is Easter Sunday. Let me tell you about Easter. So get people in. Open up avenues for spiritual conversations. But to get people in means that we will get in convenience. That's got to be that objective there's got to be that prior preparation to do that. You just cannot run away from that. It's not like snap and then you can get into this deep spiritual conversation. It's an act of the will. It, is also, it also includes preparation. Point five. Sermon's almost over. Get on. Acts chapter 8, verse 35. Philip opened his mouth beginning with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And Philip was able to to, to preach the gospel, which is to tell the good news about Jesus. And that good news included Philip, I'm sure. Philip would have shared his testimony, and somewhere in that conversation, he must have talked about baptism, because the Ethiopian eunuch said, hey, there's water. How, why, why, what is there to stop me, uh, to prevent me from, from getting baptized? In the Living Sanctuary CP seminar, this point about Get on means get on with the job. Get on with the job of preaching the gospel. But I see a different perspective and an additional perspective to this. If you read from verse 39 to 42, and when Philip and the eunuch got up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip obeyed the call, God's call to move from Samaria to this desert road at the bottom between Jerusalem on the right and Gaza on, on the left. And he, he went there, rough direction, and he met the eunuch. After he baptized the Ethiopian, he must have continued that journey to Gaza, and from Gaza, the Ethiopian eunuch will find his way back to Ethiopia. And somewhere along the road, the way I read this, Philip was teletransported, just teletransported to Azotus, uh, which is up there in the middle. Uh, modern day, is called Ashdod. Okay, even in the old days, it's called Ashdod. Uh, one of the five Philistine cities. Uh, so it doesn't only happen in Star Trek. Okay, 
Uh, it's quite puzzling to me, but then again, surely my God is big enough. Or it could be something else, I don't know. Huh? Somehow, somehow, he got to Ashdod. And then, from Ashdod, he preached, 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 preached his way up to Caesarea, way on the north along the Mediterranean, Mediterranean coast. And from here, I draw the principle of get on. Because at some point, we must get on. Because we all have a tendency to settle down into comfort zones. You know, when we decided to move on from the old blocks in Teban Gardens to the new blocks, we experienced discomfort. In fact, several cell groups say we're quite reluctant to go. See, we've built relationship with these people over the years. Now you want me to go to a new block? And in my trying to encourage our cell groups to, to move on, to get on, I come across uh, a very good example from Jesus in Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, the earlier verses, Jesus was having a great ministry. Again, there was revival going on in Capernaum. Many people were delivered of demons. People were healed. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law was healed in the house in Capernaum. And all, all the whole town gathered at that door of Peter's mother-in-law. And Jesus went up somewhere to, to pray through the night. And let me read Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 36. And Simon, Peter, and those who were with him searched for Jesus. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came. So he moved on, even though a great revival was happening. But there are others who need to hear the gospel, who need the message of the good news. So he moved on. Likewise, Philip was moved from Samaria to the Gaza Road to Ashdod and then moved on to Caesarea. You know, this whole story of Philip is, is really fascinating. Uh, if you read Acts chapter 8, he first ministered to Simon the magician and something really uh, was going on there and then about this road to Gaza, the Ethiopian eunuch. I just wonder why nobody made a movie about Philip. So we've got movies about Jonah, about uh, Peter and Paul and David, but nobody made a movie about Philip. Last night we had a very great, great time at the Chinese New Year celebration where the, the speaker shared her testimony. She was a script writer. And my goodness, a list of accomplishments. All the Channel 8 stuff, uh, which you guys don't know anything about. Okay, she had a hand in writing it. And she shot show photos of all the famous uh, actors from Hong Kong and, and, and Taiwan and Singapore. And she wrote the script for many of it. I think she should write a script for, for a movie about Philip. And you know, in those, those movies, which are based on true stories, the part I like best is towards the end, like the epilogue. Then they'll say, 20 years later, this is what happened to this guy, this happened to this guy. So if the story of Philip were made into a movie, and 20 years later, what would it say? It will say something like, Philip settled in Caesarea where he married a local girl and had four daughters. And his four daughters were unmarried in order to serve the Lord fully and had an active prophetic Christian ministry. 
And Philip remains faithful in getting up and getting out and getting near and getting in and getting on. So one of you aspiring uh, movie producers, go do a movie on, on Philip. But what about 2,000 years later? 2,000 years later, the gospel spread rapidly from uh, Philip um, to Ethiopia. And by 2018, of his population of 107 million, 63% were Christians with 18.5% Protestants. And some 40-odd percent were what is called Ethiopian Orthodox are Christians. Um, there is an interesting observation about the spread of the gospel um, here from Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter, chapter 9, and Acts chapter 10. These are the three branches of humanity following the flood. From Noah, he had three sons. So the son of Ham is typically, uh, traditionally, uh, Africans. So that's an Ethiopian eunuch, African. Acts chapter 9. And then the son of Shem, uh, the, the Semitic races, uh, Jews, uh, mainly. And Acts chapter 9 talks about the conversion of Paul, a Jew. And Acts chapter 10, the son of Japheth, traditionally the European uh, races. The Roman centurion was converted. And that's uh, Acts chapter 10. So it's quite just an interesting aside. But let me now conclude. Um, and I conclude with this, get with it, get with it. There's no need to memorize the five gets. All you need to do is internalize the message and then just get with it. Why this term? So the definition of this term, get with it, is to pay attention to what is happening and start doing what you should be doing, which is get up, get out, get in, get near, and get on. You are a witness to Jesus' great work of salvation. You've experienced it. And therefore, you must witness to it. You must testify with it. And you must get on with it. And getting with it takes as much a skill set as it does a mindset. So, we have 16th February training for that skill set. For us to know how to pray, how to engage how to gather. But that's not just uh, evangelistic training. It's more than that. It's spiritual parenting training. What happens when your friend that you brought to the National Stadium receive Christ? And then it gives you more training about how to parent such a person, how to nurture such a, a, a new Christian. So it's very important training. And, and mark it down your diary, 16th of February. Uh, come here for that morning. But we have another set of training, and that is. Oops. Uh, next slide, please. And that's in our CG, we want to start with um, becoming a contagious Christian. Next slide. And I, for those who are CG leaders, I think you've already got that, got that information. By the way, how many of us are not in CG? No need to raise hands. Lah. No need to. Lah. Please join one. Please join one, okay? And, and let's move together as, as a family, then like an army of God. Okay, and let's, let's get trained in becoming a contagious Christian. What is the objective? Is to, for us to be ready. Ready. I, I sometimes hear Christians say, oh yeah, I just missed that opportunity. Uh, that I, I was able to talk quite a lot 
with this person, but we, 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 I just missed it. And how to be ready and active in leading others to Christ. And, and let me read through this. How to personalize your approach to relational evangelism. And, and it's not just about knocking on somebody's doors and ambush someone and say, have you heard of all spiritual laws? It's how to build that relationship first. It's about discovering your own natural evangelism style. Some people are very good at approaching strangers and say, have you heard of all spiritual laws? And they, it's really effective for them, but not, not, not all of us. So we each have a kind of style, and maybe your style is like youth pastor, expensive coffee. Maybe that's your style. Okay, you're a great Starbucks evangelist. Or maybe you're just a normal kopitiam evangelist. So discover your style. Develop a contagious Christian character. And it's not just about yourself, right? It's how to motivate and bring others along so that you infect them with the, the, the enthusiasm and, and the motivation of the value of a soul. And then uh, more and more of us will be able to, to be witnesses to build spiritually uh, strategic relationships, to direct conversations towards matters of faith. I think we really need skills there. How to be strategic when we have copy. How to move that discussion from Tanjeng Bok and Mahathir and, and, and Rotex and this to a spiritual conversation. And I do think we need some help there. Huh? Many of us can talk about everything under the sun, but we can't get into uh, spiritual uh, conversations. To be able to share biblical truth in everyday language, and not to say that, you know, the redemption of your soul is so important because of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, bringing about justification by faith. Hey, nobody will understand that. How do we do that in normal, day-to-day -day language? And then to increase your hope and enthusiasm for spreading the gospel. And, and there is an infectious value there when you have a friend alongside and we are able to talk and share about these things, you will be encouraged, you will encourage somebody. So, come together for this. Firstly, a skill set. And secondly, a mindset. What's a mindset based on? I think it really is based on one simple thing. It's value. What is the value of a soul? Last Sunday, I talked about uh, 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 tiger moms, right? Tiger moms will do anything for the children and, and the value of that superior education that the tiger mom wants to get for a child, is that any less than the value of a soul? So I was trying to think of some other examples for normal people besides tiger moms, but I couldn't. But, but you think about it. What is the most valuable thing you think you, you, you want for 2019? And then compare that with the value of a soul. There's no comparison. Right? Our soul is so important. That Jesus came for you, came for me. So that's the mindset we must have. And instead of talking about tiger moms and, and all that, I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon from very long ago. So listen to this very carefully. And I hope you get infected with the value and the passion for that soul. Right? So it says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. I think we should add one, over my dead body. Right? 
want you to be with me in heaven and, and, and you're going to have, no, 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 over my dead body. You sinners, be damned. Let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. No way, no way. I'm not letting you go. And if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned for or unprayed for. That's the passion that I hope you'll get. And that becomes your mindset. How valuable the soul of my father, how valuable the soul of my friend, my best friend. So now it gives me great joy to be able to share testimony. Last week we heard the testimony of Hong Lim. This week I want to share the testimony of uh, Jennifer Lo. She's from Block 33 in Teban Gardens. And let's just play this. Jennifer我来关怀中心是在二零零四年，我都进常来。后来因为我有点私人的事情在忙，我就提了好几年没有来了。嗯，我在二零幺五年开始，回到关怀中心，就是有一天在楼下遇到我一个邻居，他就要去
，真理还不是很了解。但是朋友们都是鼓励我，可以的，随着你慢慢的啊学习，我就想好，我就接受他们的鼓励，我就洗礼。但是我个人的想法，我不滴水，我要进水，因为我要像耶稣，我要有耶稣的榜样。那么我一进水，从水里上来，我就向主。说，我要信靠你，我一生一世跟随你，求主与我同在。So, get up and get out is is a volition, right? Just are you willing, or is it just all about me? My own needs, and and we remain in our own cocoon. Get near to God daily. You always be listening for instructions, listening for promptings of the Holy Spirit, and then there will, at some point there will be a crisis of faith. I believe, I don't believe. Okay, I take action, I do not take action. And if God wants you to be on some desert road, are you willing? Then you get near and you get in. You know, in capping, our objective is to get near enough emotionally and socially. To be able to get into a home, but there's nothing that prevents us from inviting friends into our homes in that environment where we can steer discussions to to spiritual matters. Or our neighbors here, Yafen. She keeps talking about Yafen. You know who's Yafen, right? At the Teban Christmas, she was the youngest one uh, leading the dance with all the old guys. Right? Her hair is very golden. Yafen. She also leads worship in CSC. She lives in Teban Gardens. Just a neighbor talking to a neighbor, and inviting her to the cell group that meets in Yafen's own home. Did you hear Jennifer talking about? I was actually interested in Christianity for a long time, but nobody let me. It just sounds so much like the Ethiopian Yonah. I'm reading all this scripture. I go to Jerusalem, but nobody explained to me the way of the cross, the way of Of salvation, so we gotta get with that, okay? We gotta ask people, like, would you like to pray to receive Christ and 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 explain and and talk about baptism, and uh, and all of us really ought to be asking one another, are you baptized? You know, she says that actually I don't be baptized uh, because I don't know everything yet, uh, but there were friends who encouraged her to be baptized as soon as possible, and I believe this is. Something I need to look into, but but we have this tradition, right? That one um, you believe, and then you gotta get a PhD in uh, baptism classes, uh, and then you get baptized, right? But no, in in all through Acts, actually, it's very fast. The moment you believe, even when your faith level is not very high, you get baptized, and then you journey along that that life of uh, of faith. So, how many of you are not baptized yet? Uh, later on, we go downstairs. <laughs> no, but seriously, okay, take that act, that step of faith. Um, and here, I'm very glad to note that um, this is not one of those stories of oh, I used to be so terrible. I beat my wife, and I was a drug addict, and all that. And God came and saved me. Jennifer's case is very, very different. She's got a very loving husband, currently still not a believer. She's got a really loving daughter, 24 years old. And and her life seems so so well. Uh, you can look at her; she's very happy. If you read her baptism testimony, 
Uh, she was called Happy Fat. I don't know. I think she's a little bit plump. Uh, that's what she say herself, okay? So I'm not. Uh, and she's living a very happy life. But no matter how happy you are, life without Jesus is like a donut. There's something empty in her soul until the Lord feels, uh, feels her. So even your regular friends who goes to fantastic cafes and put it all on Instagram and go on fantastic holidays, life without Jesus is like a donut, okay? So don't be afraid to, to talk about spiritual matters with them. So lastly, five gets, I want to add one more, six one, is get two. You know the phrase, um, is, I get to see all this. I get to see all this. And I get to participate as God's emissary in sharing the gospel. So I, 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 I hope that we will have that, that joy and, and I hope we can collect hundreds, not just two or three such video testimonies. Some people are, are unwilling to, okay? Um, but still, we can hear about it. To be able to have a front row seat and get to see all this. God at work through uh, dysfunctional families, happy families, terrible childhood, good childhood, and to see their life change and that hole in a donut plug. And that's what we get to see as uh, children of God. Uh, but you know, these days, the phrase, get the front row seat, doesn't quite work, right? Uh, because these days, people don't just want a front row seat. They want, uh, what is it? Okay, next. You can't show, never mind. Go class. Now we want go class. If you go to a cinema, we want to sit uh, like that and be served and stretch out and all that. And, and, and that's what we are as children of God. We have go class seat to see God at work. Okay, uh, music team, would you like to come and help us with the closing song? I chose this song, Saviour, He Can Move a Mountain. My God is mighty to save. So Saviour,